Well, when I was a freshman in high school, I played on the basketball team, and our team was surprisingly really good. We went like 32-1, and one, uh, but I was a rather unimpressive participant on that team. I was uh, five foot five at best, maybe with shoes on, you can give me half an inch or so. Uh, I wasn't particularly athletic or good at anything, except I worked my tail off to try to earn playing time. And so I would hustle, I would do all the little things that coaches loved for players to do, but players didn't love to do. And so I just wanted to earn playing time somehow, some way. You see, I played a very particular role on that team that, that did pretty well. My coach would look at me every single time there was a player on the opposing team that was starting to feel really good about themselves. You know, they would, they would hit a couple of shots in a row, and they would start to have a little bit of an extra pep in their step. They would smile, and the maybe 12 to 15 folks that were actually watching our freshman basketball team games would cheer every single time they touched the ball, hoping to see something more. And my coach would look at me and say, Peter, get in there, number 12. Because my job was to make life for that person uncomfortable. To get a little under their skin, to, you know, a small foul here or there, but just to make them know, like, oh, you enjoy the spotlight. I like getting you out of it. That's my job today. And so uh, I played that role on that team. And interestingly enough, I feel as though I'm playing a, a similar role this morning for you. That this new year, you may have reflected on the past, maybe coming in with lots of goals and aspirations, and that's great. And believe me when I say that we as a community, we're going to be commending you, asking you to go back to the foundations of who you are as a disciple. We're going to ask you to, to relive and rehearse the foundations of who we are as a community over the course of this month. We're going to commend you this entire month of January to pray and to fast with us, to take next steps of obedience as you follow Jesus with us. And all the while, the warning to you this morning, chapter 6 from Jesus himself, is this. Be warned. When your spiritual activity becomes a religious performance, you will gain the praise of man and you will forfeit the heart of God. Let me say that again. When your spiritual activity, this month when you consider fasting and praying, which are good and right things to do, when you consider your next steps of obedience as a, as a disciple of Jesus, you can, if you make it a religious performance, gain the praise of man and lose the heart of God altogether. You see, on your spiritual journey, you will be tempted. You and I, regularly, often, we will be tempted to take the path of performing religion in the spotlight for all to see and applaud to. And my aim, my role today, is to, in a preemptive sort of way, uh, try to deter you from going down that path, to make it less comfortable, if you will, to point you instead toward pursuing relationship in the secret. That's going to be the other destination that I hope I can get you to today. So look with me back in the text. Look with me at the warning signs of performing in the spotlight. Let's look at verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, I want us to read verse uh, 16 as well, because these are parallel passages as Jesus talks about praying and fasting. Verse 16 says this, And when you fast, 
Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, just for a little bit of context, Jesus is looking at his disciples. He started his ministry, and as he looks at his disciples in the eyes, he says this, not if you pray, or not if you fast, but when. Jesus' disciples, if you follow Jesus today, you are expected to pray and to fast. So I want to set the ground rules here. Praying and fasting are good and right and godly endeavors that Jesus expects of his disciples. So it's a matter of when and not if, and yet he makes a really clear point here. Do not be like the hypocrites. That word hypocrites is the word that was most commonly used in Jesus' day and age to describe actors. Individuals who might travel from province to province in the Roman Empire to go on the stage and to play a part also that they could receive the applause of the crowds. You see, because what is the aim of an actor if not to be seen by others, according to Jesus, right? To be seen, this is a really interesting phrase. This is not just to be witnessed or to be perceived by people. In the Bible, this word means to shine. And so for our context, right, actors, according to Jesus, who love to shine or be in the spotlight as they pray as they fast, Jesus' warning is don't, do not be like them. Do not be like them as you do the things I am commending you to do, expecting you to do. So to drill down a little bit further, what does this look like for you and me? How do we, how do, we do this naturally? If it's a slippery slope that we can get on to be actors who love to perform religiously in the spotlight, what does that actually look like for you and for me? In verse 5, it says, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. So maybe if you're like me, who's literally in a spotlight on stage, that it's really easy to find yourself wanting to impress people with your prayers. Because you might know some theological terms, because people tell you like, wow, you, you really pray, great. Like when you pray, it feels like you're really, you're really doing that well, like you've practiced this before. Maybe you're the person who prays at all the family gatherings and the meals. But maybe you just love to impress people with your prayers because you've got theological treatises of types of prayers. You know what I mean? Where you pray and you're feeling the tension rise and you know in that moment it's time. Hit them with the memory verse. Hit them with it. <laughs> Boom. And it, and it kills. You get all the holy mmms. And the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. That's it right there. And there's something that happens inside of you like, man, I'm, I'm kind of good at this. And so with your prayers, you love to impress people. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe you like to do it more covertly. Maybe you want to leave the impression that you just pray a lot. Right? One of the most dangerous phrases that I've moved from my vocabulary is praying for you. Praying for you. You tell me a hard thing, and, and, and as a pastor, I want so badly for you to know, like, I care about you, and I am praying for you. And so that phrase, right, you tell me a hard thing today, tomorrow I'm going to text you, or be tempted to, praying for you, but never actually get to the position of praying. How often is it that you tell people you pray for them, but don't actually ever get to that position? You see, I've had to remove that phrase from my vocabulary and had to replace it instead with something that is more uh, real or earthy or honest, something that'll keep me accountable to it. And so I've had to replace it with pausing to pray for you now. 
Because if I don't say that, if I don't close my laptop, if I don't put my phone away, if I don't get into a position to pray for you in the moment that I text you, I won't. I'll forget. And all of a sudden, I'm just putting on a show to make it seem like I pray a lot for you, but never actually get there. And so wherever you may fall, the warning from Jesus as he's looking at people who are religious, who come to gatherings on Sunday morning, and the warning is this, don't love to stand, to be seen, to be impressive with your prayers. Because it will lead you to a slippery slope to thrive, to love the spotlight of your religion. Now, what else does this look like in fasting? How does this play out there in that space? Looking back at the text, it says, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen. So they disfigure their faces. The, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, what they would do when they would fast is they would throw ash on themselves. They would wear clothes that are worn down just a little bit. They would maybe mess up their hair a bit. They, they would look like they're hurting, that they're hungry. And people would want to ask them questions and they'd be like, oh, don't do that right now. They're, they're fasting. We can't ask them for anything right now. Like, look at them. They're in a wholly other state. And they would walk around trying to be perceived as, wow, admirable. You are really devoted. And so the way that this can look for you and for me, we're going to ask you all as our community to fast with us, to hunger after God, to abstain, to say no to the things of your comforts of food even, to abstain so that in your physical hunger you long to hunger for more of God, which is a good and right thing. And the moment that it becomes something to use that others might ask less of you or that they might think highly of you, that's a dangerous place to be. I'll never forget the first time I attempted to fast. My parents, who are wonderful, when I was 10 years old, so my sister would have been 12 and my oldest sister 14, we should try fasting as a family from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. And me being an achiever on the inside, I was like, a couple of days? Let's do this. We're going to knock this out of the park. It was the first time I've ever attempted to fast. And mind you, as a 10-year-old, when you're hangry, it feels like the world is coming to an end, right? Like everything is, is awry. And so I'll never forget, we skipped like one meal at this point. And I'm sulking on the couch. And I'll never forget, my mom was like, hey, Peter, can you take the trash out? And I responded with, are you crazy? I'm fasting. <laughs> like, what do you mean I'm fasting right now? I can't go take the trash out. It's almost as if I expected for people to, well, why would you ask anything of me? I'm fasting. I'm doing a holy thing here. I'm pursuing a holy endeavor. You see, this is what we can get to in the place of when you pursue religious things. You expect people to... Oh, let, let leave them be. Ask less of them. They're doing something good and righteous, holy and other. Or maybe you just want people to think more highly of you, to pat you on the back saying, you go. You go being devoted. And so what I'm not saying, Seven Mile Road, is that when you fast, you've got to, you've got to hide it all together. There's going to be moments where you're going to go out to a meal with a friend and they're going to ask you why you aren't eating and for you to say, well, I'm fasting. That's okay. That's that's necessary at times. And yet the moment it becomes something else, something distorted, something warped, where you want so badly for people to look at you and to ask less of you, but think highly of you, this becomes a place where you are loving the spotlight. 
that religious has, religion has become a performance for all to see, and you love hearing this from people. You see, we can laugh about some of these examples. They're probably a little bit more applicable to me because they're my examples. But however they apply to you, however this may look like to you, however this month may pan out for you, it's so easy for each and every one of us to drift down this path, performing in the spotlight, realizing that we are praying to be praised. Instead of hungering for God in our fasting, we're hungering for attention and for admiration. We do it to be seen, to be known, to be revered and applauded. What's interesting is that uh, when it comes to actors, right, we're so, we're so pleasantly surprised when actors are actually as beautiful on stage as they are in real life, or as winsome, or as clever, or as sweet and kind. My wife, Kat, always tells me when some of her favorite actors and actresses are she sees them on some, in some other setting, and she's like, oh my gosh, I knew it. They're as great in real life, too. That's that phrase we use for actors and actresses, or maybe cultural stars or pop stars, that all of a sudden we're surprised when they're really that way in real life, too. And if we're not careful, the warning from Jesus is this. As many as there are actors in Hollywood, there can be actors in the church, where people will become surprised Oh, so you're that devoted in real life too? Not just up here, not just, on, not just for, for the show, not just when other people are around, not just on Sunday mornings or in your house church or when people can see and, oh, in real life too. That's great. You see, if we're not careful, we will live a life where people will see it and be surprised by the fact that you are devoted to God in real life too. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's a scary place that I don't want to get to. Because what Jesus says is that for folks like that, for people who live and thrive and love the spotlight, they have received their reward, which is this. Briefly, momentarily, that people will applaud you, they will praise you, but that's all you'll ever get. Nothing more. And you will completely miss out on God altogether. He won't be there in that place. That's the warning from Jesus this morning, if you love the spotlight. Okay, so if not religious performance, if not the spotlight, then what? What is the alternative? Let's look back in the text. Look with me in verse six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Going down to verse 17, but when you fast anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you you see some wrote it's the same activity right it is when you pray <clears throat> excuse me and when you fast but it's all about location it's all about location <clears throat> excuse me i hear that all the time whenever my wife and I, we go to open houses. We've been kind of in the general housing market here in Houston, and uh, every time you stop into an open house, they're like, you know, it's really expensive because location, location, location. I, I hate hearing that. It's like, okay, it's really expensive. I get that because of the location. But, the, but that's what Jesus is saying. It's all about location. It's the same activity when you pray, when you fast, but it's about where you are. It's about where you are. 
when you dialogue with God in your prayers? Where are you? Where does that happen most often? Where can that happen most deeply and richly? When you desire for more of God in your fasting, is it a public show or is it a private longing? Is it a private yearning? Where does that play out and how does it pan out best? And so why does God want you to come into the private space? Because that's where he is. It says it right there, your father is in secret. He's in secret. What that word secret means is in the, is in the mysterious place, the concealed space, the private space. That's where your father lives. That's where he resides. And he longs for you to come to know him in deeper and true ways there in secret. You see, it's not wrong to pray publicly. I hope not, right? Like we know from the scriptures that we're supposed to pray as a community with one another, for one another. And yet what Jesus is saying here is, do you ever just go into your room and shut the door? <clears throat> is, your, is your bedroom a sacred space? Is there a closet somewhere in your home where you just love to meet God in the private, secret place? Shane and Shane came out with a, an album. It was called the Vintage Album this past year. Uh, and all these old hits back that we, when I would listen to them back when I was in youth group would come up, and there was one in particular that I loved. It was called uh, In the Secret. In the Secret. And hearing this album, it's so reminiscent to think back about those middle school days, but I want to read a couple of verses from this song to help you see what does it mean to God in the secret. So the verse goes like this. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness, you are there. In the secret, in the quiet hour, I wait only for you. The next verse reads like this. I am reaching for the highest goal that I might receive the prize. Pressing onward, pushing every hindrance aside out of my way. Both of those verses end with the same refrain. Because I want to know you more. And so why, why, does, why does Jesus in this, why is this warning compelling you, inviting you to go into the secret, into the private, to shut the door behind you? Because in that place, you get to know God more. You see, this is so true for all of our deep relationships, that it doesn't happen when you hear about that person from somebody else. It doesn't happen most prevalently, most impactfully when you read about them or, or think about uh, that person with other groups of people. It happens in the private, in the secret place where you begin to say things to that person that only they've heard, where you get to hear and experience that person's voice, that person's passion, their heart in the private spaces of life. And that is true for you and God. And so that's why he's longing for you to meet him in the secret you see, our God is a God who wants to be known. Can you believe it? He wants to be known by you in deep and true, meaningful ways. And so he's inviting you into the very space that that can happen best in the secret. Andrew Murray is a 19th century theologian, pastor, missionary. And he described this secret space like this. He says, praying, praying is like you reaching with one hand toward the invisible, longing to touch the divine, the heavenly. And fasting, fasting is you, is you using your other hand to let go of the things that are visible, 
the things of this world, the comforts of this life. So in that space, when you're reaching after the heavenly, the, the invisible, and letting go of that which is visible, in that space, as you drift there, what this passage says is that God sees you. He sees you pursuing him intentionally, intimately in that secret space, and he meets you there. He meets you there. This is the radiance of God's heart on full display. He is most known, most knowable there in that place. And so I don't know about you, but I want more of God. I want to know him so deeply, so intimately in the secret that I gain the reward of actually knowing him and not just putting on a show like I'm close to him. See, the great question of the Bible, the overarching conflict is, well, how can a sinful people, how can we ever hope to dwell with the holy God? How can we ever hope to have right relationship with him? How can we know him fully and actually be accepted into his presence? That's the great question of the Bible. And the, and the simple answer is that Jesus is the way. He's the answer that Jesus, when he came and lived the life that he lived and died the death that you and I deserve to die and rose from the grave, what he ultimately was exhibiting for us is meeting us there in that secret place now and forevermore. By letting go with one hand of the comforts of heaven, he reached out to you a broken and sinful being with the other hand. You see, the reason why God invites us more and more to enter and to drift into that secret space is that that's the place that Jesus dwells. That's where he exists. That's where he longs to meet you so that you can know him more fully. You see, Jesus is waiting for you in the secret. It's, it's his essence. It's his character. He has proven it again and again. This is who he is. It's where he belongs. It's where you and I can get to know him more. And so I don't know about you, Seven Mile Road, but this month I've got lots of hopes, lots of aspirations. And if I'm honest with you, it's really easy for me to drift into wanting to do things like this really excellently, more than I want to know God more. But can we together agree that it it is so much more worth it to be known and to know God more fully? And if that takes for you and I to push, to strive into the secret space, into that secret place where he is knowable in intimate and true ways, can we just all commit together to say, that is better. (laughs) Let's stop putting on a show for the spotlight. And let's relationally pursue our God in the secret place. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Well, God, I want to thank you this day that you are a God who cares enough to want to be known by us. That even though we are so prone to make it about me and about us and less about you, God, that you continue to persist into that place and you invite us, you beckon us toward knowing more of you day by day. God, we ask that our most intimate prayers, our best prayers, God, would be with you and for you alone, that your ears would be the ones that hear them, that our hearts would long to go back to that place to, to deepen our intimacy with you. God, I confess that it's, it's so easy for me. It's, it's easy for me to love the spotlights, to perform under it, 
to make it about religious goods that exalt me instead of you, God, I pray that we would be allergic to that in this season. And that pursuing that same spiritual activity to pray and to fast, God, that we would do it with the right motivations, with pure intentions, God. And so work that in us, that we might honor you in all that we say and in all that we do. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.